You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are in our semi-new series because we started last week uh, entitled All and Nothing. Can you say those words with me? All and nothing. This is actually a study on the book of Colossians. And uh, as I have mentioned last week, I want to encourage you to be able to read uh, that book. It's a short read. It's just a four-chapter epistle or letter by the Apostle Paul. And such a short uh, reading. And I'm pretty sure that if you try to read it tonight, you'll be able to finish it in one sitting. And so, uh, so that you will have a greater grasp and understanding of what we're trying to do in this next uh, six more weeks. And so it's a seven-week series on really the supremacy of Christ and who Jesus is. And how many of you know who Jesus is? Please raise your hand. Familiar with Him, okay? How many of you know that in a couple of weeks, Christmas is already playing in the mall? Diba? Diba? Because September 9. So, you know, you know how we celebrate Christmas in the Philippines the moment that we have the bare months uh, we already have Christmas playing in the mall. How many of you are excited about Christmas? Okay, so that's one familiar story that we have about Christ. That Jesus was born on Christmas Day, and of course we knew that he did not remain to be a baby. He grew up to be a man. He lived the life we should have lived, and he died the death we should have died. And so. Uh, we're also familiar with Holy Week. How many of you are familiar with Holy Week or the Passion of the Christ? Sino rito mga passionista? Okay? Yung mga mukha natin, it's either Christmas or Passion Look. Look at the person beside you. Is it a Christmas look or a Passion Look? Okay? Pang mahal na araw ba yan or pang Pasko? Yang mukha na yan. Alright. And so we're familiar with Christ. But this particular book really is a dive-in, an in-depth study of who Jesus is. Is He really just a miracle worker? Is He just one who would multiply the fish and multiply the bread and feed the 5,000? We're now in week two, and we're talking about the supremacy of Christ. And uh, last week, we talked about the prayer of the Apostle Paul, that all of us should be filled with the knowledge of God's will. And how many of you would like to know what God's will is for your life? You know that God's will for us is always good. Everybody say good, pleasing, and perfect. How many of you would like to have the perfect will of God in your life? We love that, okay? We would rather have the will of God than our own will because we know that God's will is better than our will. And so last week, we talked about the fullness of the will of God. We realized and we've learned that when you, when you talk about the fullness, it's kind of like journeying in a boat and God has provided for us everything we need in this Christian journey. And we also uh, talked about fruitfulness in the walk with God and also faithfulness to endure till the last walk here on earth. And so, uh, to give us a brush stroke of what we're trying to achieve in this uh, entire series, uh, at the end of this series, our people will have a greater perspective of the preeminence. Everybody say preeminence. Preeminence of the person of Christ and the completeness of the salvation that He provides that will result to living a life that is centered on Him. And so we want to find out you know, not only is he a teacher or a miracle worker or one who, you know, speaks to, to, the, to the storm. And how many of you are familiar with that story that one time when the, when the disciples uh, were, you know, in a boat and Jesus was sleeping in that boat and there was a storm, they were scared, right? 
and they woke him up. And what did Jesus do? He basically stood up and spoke to the waves and the wind, and he said, be still. And what happened? What did the storm say? Nothing. Because it's still, right? So the storm said nothing, and it became still. Guess what? The same voice that spoke and created the heavens and the earth was the same voice that spoke to the storm and the wind. And that was a familiar voice at that time. And so we're going to be looking at who this Jesus is that we are worshiping and who this Jesus is that we're celebrating here every Sunday. Is He a God who claims that He is? That we can trust Him daily for provision, that we can trust Him daily for our sustenance, that we can trust Him daily for our family, for our direction, for wisdom, for healing for our bodies, and for provision for our families. And so, just to give us a quick summary statement of what this is all about, you know, all and nothing, okay? Christ above all, nothing more, nothing less. Can you see those words with me? Christ above all, nothing more, nothing less. In fact, what we're saying is, all you need is Jesus. You are complete in Christ. How many of you know that you are complete in Christ? Amen, di ba? Singles, you don't have to have another person to complete you. Amen. Tom Cruise said, you complete me. <laughs> but in reality, if you have Jesus, you're complete. Come on now. Because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You don't need to add anything anymore. But of course, it's nice to get married. I'm a happy married husband. If God gives us a husband or a wife, it's a blessing. But yet, you in yourself, if you have Jesus Christ in your life, you are complete in Him. Christ above all, nothing more, nothing less. In fact, I want to just say the opposite, that even if you have everything that this world has got to offer, if you don't have Christ, you have nothing. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. And so I want us to all stand up and let's read the Word of God from Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we'll be reading from verses 13 to verse 20. How many of you have an ESV Bible? Okay, maybe some of you have a paper Bible or a, an iPad or an iPhone or maybe a Samsung, but just for us this afternoon, what I did was I actually put it in the keynote, okay, so that you can read it out loud with big, bold letters, okay? So I'd like to invite you to read this in unison with your voice. Let's uh, declare this uh, scripture from verses 13 to verse 20. Ready? One, two, three. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. But in everything He might be preeminent. For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or heaven, making peace by the blood 
of his cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the preaching of your word. We ask that you would bless uh, your people today. We open up our hearts to receive from what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us. And Lord, we thank you that you will give us a greater illumination of who you are in our lives. Father, we thank you that you are the supreme God. Jesus is the supreme God. He is creator and the sustainer of the universe. And at the same time, he is the head of this church. We thank you, Lord. May your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. It's important for us to have a proper view of Jesus in our lives. You know, when the disciples were walking with Christ, 2,000 years ago in the area of Caesarea Philippi, basically Jesus was asking them, you know, who do people say I am? You will find this in the book of Matthew and Mark. And he was asking, you know, just trudging along and he was just casually speaking to his disciples and he was wanting to find out what's the perception of the people around the villages about him. And they probably saw him, as I said earlier, as a miracle worker. He multiplied bread and fish. He walked on water. He's a powerful teacher. You know, he would, uh, he even actually raised people from the dead. And so he was asking this question, who do people say I am? And so they said, oh, well, some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the prophets like Jeremiah. And then he turned to his disciples and he asked them this question. Now, who do you say I am? People out there are saying things about me, but what about you, my own disciples? Who do you say I am? I mean, how many of you are disciples of Jesus? You follow Jesus. Please raise your hand. You're Christians. You're born again. You're saved by grace. Please raise your hand. Okay? Okay, we're believers. We're Christians. We know we're saved. We know we're going to heaven. How many of you are going to heaven? Please raise your hand. How many of you would like to heaven already? Go to heaven? Not yet, right? In the future, we're going to heaven. Not yet now, okay? So we know that we have an eternal life. We have an eternal destination. Alam natin yon. We know we're going to heaven. But what is our view of Jesus? Who is Jesus to us? Is Jesus just a, a butler that you actually just, you know, uh, order at your beckon call? Or Lord, pakigawa mo to, ha? May assignment ako, pakigawa may assignment ko. Or Lord, you know, I have an interview tomorrow, okay? Pakitouch mo naman yung, uh, yung interviewer ko na say yes niya ako. I'm going to the U.S. Embassy, Lord. Pakitatakan mo yung passport ko ng, ng visa, okay? I mean, as if, you know, he's the one that we're actually telling him what to do. Is that our perception of Jesus? Or maybe, is he an ATM? How many of you have visited an ATM lately? Walang laman, di ba? Parang ganun, di ba? Tagal mo pumila, tapos pag tagal mo, ay, wala pa yung sweldo. Tapos, talikod kang ganun. But sometimes, we look at Jesus as an ATM machine. You just go to Him, you put a prayer there, and you think that, when I pray, Lord, make sure that you answer. Or maybe like a genie in a bottle, that when you ask three wishes, that He just grant you your three wishes. How do we view Christ? Is He really the master and the Lord and the king of our lives that he deserves to be. Really, when you look at this particular set of scriptures, this talks about the supremacy of Christ. There's, it's, you know, it seems like the book of Colossians, according to some theologians, is the most Christ-centered book in the whole Bible. Now, let me just tell you this. The entire Bible is Christ-centered. From Genesis to the book of Maps, Right? Oh, no, to, to Revelation. From Genesis to Revelation, everything points to Christ. Isn't it? 
But yet, in the book of Colossians, there is so much density in the verses that we have just read that it is probably the most dense acclamation of who Jesus is. The attributes of Christ, who He is, His nature and His work and His personhood. You know, there's a story of this painting in, in Saragossa, Spain, and it's known to be called Ece Homo. Okay? Behold the man. This painting was done by an artist in Spain named Elias Garcia Martinez. And it was held in pride in this particular church called Sanctuary of Mercy Church in Saragossa. And it was you know, painted by him. And for over a hundred years, that painting remains to be a, a piece of art among the people there in Saragossa, Spain. But because over the years... Due to moisture and deterioration of the walls of the church, the painting of Jesus started looking like this. And one particular day, an 80-year-old parishioner, an old woman, decided that she would do something about it. She said, wow, when I was a little girl, it was not like that. Because she was 80 years old already. And so she saw that over the years, that painting started to deteriorate. And so she said, I want to be able to help restore the image of Jesus in that painting. And so she did. And this is her finished work of art. <laughs> wow! Exacto! Ang galing! This is a real story, by the way. They were all surprised and actually angry because the old woman took it upon herself to help restructure the face of Jesus. Talaga niremodel yung face ni Lord. What used to be a once dignified portrait of Christ now resembles a crayon sketch of a hairy monkey uh, in a tunic. And she said, eh, well, the priest actually allowed me to do this. But what is our view of Christ? And sometimes if we have the wrong perspective or the wrong view of Christ, we will live out broken lives. In reality, your view of Jesus will determine how you live your life. A faulty view of Jesus will lead to a broken and damaged Christian living. Are we here this afternoon? We've got to see Him for who He is. As the King of kings and the Lord of lords, as the one who has taken control of the universe. And guess what? He did not have to have a coup d'etat. He's always been in charge. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, He's telling His disciples to go. Because all authority has been given to me. He is supreme in everything. Everybody say supreme. And many times when you look at the word supreme, you remember this pizza. And we kind of get confused. Ano ba talaga yung super supreme? But when you talk about supreme, supreme means superiority and preeminence. And that's who Jesus is compared to any other God because there's no one like Him. He is supreme in all things. In fact, just to have a feel of what the Apostle Paul was writing in the book of Colossians, he just, in a very short verse, or dense verses, he wrote about the supremacy and the preeminence of Christ. Just very quickly, you will see this in verse 15. And this is summarized by this superlative you know, description named all. Jesus is the firstborn of what? 
all creation. And then in verse 16, all things were created by Him. 16b, all things were created through Him and for Him. Verse 17, He was before all things. Verse 17b, in Him all things hold together. In verse 18, He is the first in everything. What does everything mean? All. All the fullness of God dwells in Him. In verse 19, verse 19b, He reconciled all things. And in verse 23, the gospel is proclaimed in all of creation. In other words, He is preeminent. Amen. Surpassing all others in superiority. And that's exactly what we want to look at tonight. Jesus is not just prominent. He is preeminent. Amen. He is not just one of the gods that we serve. He is the only God that we ought to serve. Because He is preeminent over all things. Jesus is preeminent and not just prominent because of these three things. And I want to present to you these three things. Number one, He is the Supreme God. Everybody say Supreme God. How many of you believe that Jesus is God? Amen. He is not just a person. He is not just a human being. Yes, He walked this life 2,000 years ago. And He was 100% man, but He did not lose any of His deity. He was still 100% God. And we see that from the writing of the Apostle Paul in verse 15a, when he said, He is the image of what? Of the invisible God. Have you ever seen God lately? Okay? I haven't seen God because we know that He is invisible, right? But how many of you have felt God? We feel the presence of God. He inhabits the praises of His people. We, we know that. And He promised that He will never leave us nor forsake us. So whether it's here in church in worship, or whether in your place of work, or whether in your place of school, how many of you know that God is with you? God's presence goes before us, yet we don't see Him. And Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now when you talk about image, sometimes we have a poor definition of image. How many of you have tried Xeroxing something lately? We think that when you talk about image, it's like photocopying. Right? And if the toner is not good, you get a bad image. Isn't it? But that is not what the Apostle Paul is saying about image. Jesus is the visible image or the visible representation of the invisible God. That's why when you talk about image, it's not just like photocopying or Xeroxing because Jesus somehow... You know, looks like, but it's not exactly God. That is what the others are saying. No. In essence, Jesus is God. He, it implies illumination of its inner core and essence. He is the image of the invisible God. Now, this concept of image involves three things. Number one, it represents or it talks about likeness. Everybody say likeness. Like- you know, Christ is the exact likeness of God, a mirror image. He is not just like God, He is God Himself. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, He is the radiance and glory of God. You know, sometimes when I would walk with my daughters, my youngest daughter, Andrea, uh, people would say, Wow, Pastor, she looks like you. Now, I don't know if Andrea is happy with that statement. But, She's like the visible representation of her daddy. But yet, we're different. 
Andrea is not Ariel, and Ariel is not Andrea. Yet in the Godhead, we know that Jesus Christ is distinct from the Father, and He is distinct from the Holy Spirit, yet they are one God. Everybody say, one God. And that is the mystery of the, you know, of the Trinity. Though they are three persons, they are co-equal and co-eternal, and you know, they are all omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent, yet they are distinct with each other. Yet they are alike. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Since God is spirit and Jesus was born here 2,000 years ago, He has a human flesh just like you and me. Human, right? Now, if there's an empty seat beside you and you feel something, there's something wrong there, okay? (laughs) But when you touch something and it's human, that is kind of like what Jesus felt here 2,000 years ago. Same as us. He is the visible representation, yet He is God, not just man. Second thing about image is representation. Christ represents God to us. In other words, He is bridging the distance between understanding of who this God is so that He is not too distant, so that they have an idea as Jesus walked and as Jesus showed His grace, and as Jesus showed His glory, they now have a visible representation of who God is. At the same time, it's called manifestation. Ever say manifestation. manifestation? Basically, Christ makes God known to us. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the power of His Word. We're going to talk about more of that later on. Verse 18 of John chapter 1 says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He, or Jesus, has made Him known to us. During the time when the Apostle Paul was writing this letter, the Colossae Church, or the Colossian Church, was under attack by this ideology called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is actually an ideology that's that has secret knowledge, and somehow they treat matter as evil. And so they are saying that Jesus cannot be God because He's got a human body. How can a God have flesh? And so it's being attacked. His humanity and His divinity is being attacked. Particularly His divinity was being attacked during that time. And guess what? Even today, there are so many other religious groups, even cults, even you know, uh, ideologies are attacking the divinity of Jesus. Just to give us a few examples of this. How many are familiar with INC? Iglesia ni Cristo. They believe that there is only one God, the Father. Therefore, Jesus is not the true God, but the Son of the true God. And He is not divine. That is their belief. Jehovah's Witness believes that Jesus was created as an archangel Michael, a lesser God, not God Himself, not Jehovah God. The Mormons believe that he was born in heaven as a spirit child of Elohim or the Heavenly Father by one of his wives. Can you imagine the belief? And Jesus' brother was Lucifer who became Satan. That was the teaching in their book. Islam treats Jesus only as a prophet of Allah and is superseded by Muhammad. There's also another you know, religion that's Buddhism. Christ is not recognized as deity. Zen Buddhism also does not affirm the existence of the living God. There's also Hinduism or New Age. 
it does not recognize the need for a personal Savior as each of us can become God through attaining cosmic consciousness by meditation. And if you meditate, you are God. You know, when you meditate, you empty yourself. Christian meditation is different. You fill yourself with the Word of God. There's also another belief called Scientology. How many of you are familiar with Scientology? Many actors and actresses in the U.S. are part of this group. Can you imagine? And the founder named L. Ron Hubbard thought that Jesus, can you, I'll just, you know, just bear with me. Okay, I'm going to read this. Jesus was a false memory implanted into humans as a result of the Xeno space opera and that Christianity evolved from an R6 implant. Wow, it sounds scientific. <laughs> That's how they treat Christ. And there are more religions out there that are attacking the deity of Jesus. But how many of us are convinced that anyone who has seen Jesus has seen the Father? Amen. And He declared that. He walked here on earth 2,000 years ago. And He even said this, Blessed are those who believe in Me and has not seen. Amen. And how many of you have seen Jesus? Not yet, yet you believe in the Lord. Amen. Come on, give the Lord praise for that. He is the Supreme God. The image of the invisible God. Secondly, you know, He's preeminent. Not just prominent because He is the Creator and the Sustainer of the universe. How many of you know that this whole world was created by God? We did not come from a bang. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It did not say, in the beginning, bang. And then, everything evolved from there. No. Someone designed the universe. Someone created you and me. The Bible says, you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, look at the person beside you. In Tagalog, nakakatakot at nakagigimbal. Something like that. Okay, Fearfully and wonderfully made. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in the eyes of our Lord. He is the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn meaning prototokos. The firstborn does not mean first created. Because Jesus can never be created. Amen. He is the one who is the agent of creation. He is the one who created things, and He is not a created thing. In other words, you know, it does not refer to the order of birth, but a preeminent position. Like for example, you know, if you know, the one sitting in the White House, or you know, uh, a president has a first family, right? Uh, you know, there's a first lady, or a first gentleman, something like that. It doesn't mean that the first family is the oldest family in the nation. How many of you are a firstborn? How many of you are firstborn here? I am a firstborn. I'm a firstborn son, okay? So panganay ako. It doesn't refer to that. When the Bible says Jesus is the firstborn of all creation, it does not mean that he is the eldest of all created things. No, he was never created. He is the one who designed things. He is the chief, the master, and he is the one who created all things. Amen. Jesus was not created by God. He is Creator God. And that is, let that sink in because we've got to be, you know, 
so convinced about this truth of God's Word that the Jesus that we worship, the Jesus who went to the cross and died for our sins, is the same Jesus who was present in Genesis chapter 1, who created all things. In John, he even said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. Who is that Word? Jesus is the Word of God. He was already there in the beginning of time. As Creator, He also is the designer. He knows the purpose of all things. How many of you know that God designed us? And God has a purpose for us. That's why in this verse, verse 16, is just amazing. It says, For by Him all things were created. And we're going to read this very slowly. By Jesus all things were created. Imagine that for a moment. You mean all things? Yes, all things. In heaven and on earth. Visible with the naked eye and invisible from the naked eye. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. Jesus Christ is the originator of all creation. He started everything. He created something out of nothing. During that time, the earth was formless and He spoke the word and everything came into being. That's why this theory of evolution is only a theory. How many of you believe that we came from apes and monkeys? Come on. Come on now. Look at the person beside you. I mean, that person looks better than that. I mean, how dare someone present the idea that we all came from a protozoa? And then an amoeba. And it grew to a chimpanzee. And then an orangutan. And then an ape. And then a nearly nindentor man. And then a metro man. <laughs> Sophisticated. We did not come from monkeys. You and I were created a handiwork of the Creator God who fashioned us because of love. Amen. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, we see that God created Adam. And He formed Adam from the dust of the earth. What did He do after that? He breathed the bread of life into Adam. This is what distinguishes us from animals. Animals have instincts. Human beings, they have a soul. They have a spirit. They have a mind. They have a will. They have an emotion. Inside their heart is longing to worship the real God. Amen. We are different from animals. Come on now. Because we have been created by the Almighty God in His own image and likeness. You and I have been created in the image of God. Tell the person beside you, you are created. You are created in the image of God. Not in the image of an ape. In John chapter 1, verse 3, all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. Without Jesus, the things that you feel, the things that you see, will not be made. Because He is the one who designed all things. Even the animals know who made them. It's found in the book of Job, chapter 12. Ask the beasts, and they will teach you. The birds of the heavens, and they will tell you. 
or the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea, and they will declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In His hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Even the creatures know who made them. How dare we change the design of the Creator. We are fearfully and wonderfully made indeed. Amen. Come on now. He created us. He made us out of His love. And not only that, He made everything else for our provision. In Psalm 33 verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all things are all their hosts. Can you imagine? This actually proves and is so consistent with the book of Genesis that in verse 3, and God said, let there be light. By the power of His spoken word, there was creation. Everything that God created was created by the power of His spoken word. Amen. And everything that was created is now sustained by His word. We are the only creatures that He actually used His hands with and lovingly fashioned us and took soil from the ground and breathed the bread of life. Think about that for a moment. Imagine the Milky Way. How many of you are, you know, you like science? Please raise your hand. How many of you are now having nightmares as I talk about this, okay? As a review. We are living in the Milky Way galaxy. This is our subdivision. You will find our, you know, the solar system somewhere here in the Milky Way galaxy. In the entire universe, there are so many billions of galaxies are, that are out there. Billions, not just thousands, billions. It's a vast universe out there. Yet, we find that in this particular Milky Way galaxy, we will find our solar system. Our solar system, how many familiar with the solar system? The solar system is actually like our cul-de-sac. It's our street this is where we live, okay? This is where you find the different planets and revolving around the sun. What's the center of the solar system again? It's not the earth, right? It's the sun. Look at the sun's power. And many times, you know, we look at the sun. When I would ask my children, okay, draw the sun, they would actually draw a round yellow ball, you know, with a smiley face. And they would actually put, you know, little jagged edges around it. But in reality, can you imagine the power of the sun with its solar flares? And when God spoke in verse 3, let there be light, poof, there was the sun. You know how much or how fast light travels? You remember that? 186,000 miles per second. <laughs> 186,000 miles per second. It will take eight minutes for the sun rays to arrive from the sun to the earth. Eight minutes. Despite the number of millions of light years we are away from the sun. In fact, the universe is so vast, you cannot measure it in miles or inches or centimeters. You measure it through light years. Light, you can you imagine, one second is 186,000 miles. Can you imagine what is a light year? I don't know. That's 
long. But it's meant to measure the entire universe, the breadth and the vastness of our galaxy. Look at this little blue planet in the middle of our solar system. This is our home. A tiny blue planet. The only planet in the entire universe that can sustain life form. Because of the balance of the earth, the air, and the seas, it's perfect for sustaining life. And people have wondered, is there anyone out there, 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 there? They're wondering if there's any extraterrestrial beings outside the earth. Guess what? My Bible says that we are you know, the only ones alive. And you know, what's the purpose of all this universe, you may, you may ask? Simple. It's to show the splendor and the majesty and the glory of God. It's not a waste of His work. It's His creativity at work. Come on now. God created the universe so that when you look at the night sky, you will be dumbfounded and awestruck with this majesty and with this beauty and with this glory. Amen. That's the purpose of the universe. Come on now. Many times we think that we are more brilliant than God and many scientists are trying to disprove what the Bible is saying about God. But in reality, science and the Bible does not contradict each other. In fact, Science validates what is written in the Bible. Can you imagine looking at this little blue planet in Psalm chapter 8, verse 3? It says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. He set in place and he named them, each one of them. And yet then he said, the psalmist said, What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. And we are placed in this blue planet to sustain life and watch the glory of God traveling around us. In fact, guess what? NASA is now trying to find out why the universe is continuing to expand. As we speak, the universe is still expanding right now. You know why? Because of the creative force of the power of God that sustains all life. Amen. Come on now. That's the God that we worship. We are serving a mighty God. Just to give us a perspective, I don't want to bore you with all this planet and sun, okay? But imagine, in our neighborhood, okay, nearest the sun is Mercury. That's the size of Mercury. This is the size of Mars. This is the size of Venus. And this is planet Earth. Alright? Do you get the perspective? We're kind of like the biggest among the four. But guess what? If you move to the second portion of the solar system, this is planet Earth. A little planet. <laughs> little. Compared to Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, and big Jupiter. Now where is Pluto? Is Pluto still a planet? No more, right? I know he's a dog, right? So Pluto is a dog. So that's from another movie, okay? So Jupiter now, look at Jupiter. The biggest planet in the solar system is dwarfed by some of the biggest stars. This is Wolf 350. This is the sun. 
center of the solar system, this is Sirius star. At night, you sometimes see a bright star out in the horizon that's serious. I'm serious. You got to look at that, okay? Really serious, okay? So Sirius now is the biggest. Guess what size Sirius is compared to the bigger stars? You see Pollux, you see Arcturus, and you see Aldebaran. Aldebaran, the biggest star, now becomes a dwarf star compared to Rigel, Antares, and Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse is actually discovered by a Hubble telescope. And they discovered further four more bigger stars than Betelgeuse. But Betelgeuse becomes a little star compared to Musefi, W. Cephi, and Canis Majoris. And who knows? That's only a Hubble telescope reporting to us that the biggest star is Canis Majoris. There might be a lot more bigger stars out there in the universe. We don't know. What we do know is God continues to create the universe. And He sustains the universe by the power of His Word. Come on now. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. And have you ever wondered why in the solar system, the planets do not collide with one another? They are always rotate, you know, revolving around the sun in an even pattern their tilt is different, their rotation is different, and yet someone, the designer, is probably sustaining their revolution around the sun just so that you and I can enjoy sunrise and sunset. That's the beauty of our God. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. You know, when the Apollo 8, in 1968, launched the Apollo 8, before the Apollo 11, the Apollo 11 was the one in charge of bringing the man on the moon. Apollo 8 was more like a reconnaissance mission to circle the moon. The crew of the Apollo 8 were the first humans to witness Earthrise on December 24, 1968. These are the astronauts of the Apollo 8, Bill Anders, Jim Lovell, and Frank Borman. Apollo 8 took about three days to travel to the moon. It orbited around 10 times over the course of 20 hours. And then the crew made a Christmas message as they viewed planet Earth from the moon. And this was broadcasted before all the millions of people that are waiting to see what the report of the Apollo 8 was. And this is what they said from the Apollo 8. We are now approaching lunar sunrise. And for all the people back on Earth... And the crew of the Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. You know what they did? They read Genesis chapter 1 as they were looking at earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw light that it was good, and God divided the light from darkness. That's why when they were looking at the moon, how come there's a difference between the light and the, the moon and the, sun, and the sun? It's because of the spoken word of God through this word. These are NASA astronauts who's acknowledging the handiwork of God in the heavens. Amen. Nothing in the universe exists for its own sake. Everything exists to bring glory to the King. Amen. Everything, all the stars, 
let me encourage you tonight to go out and appreciate the stars if you can see them. <laughs> you know, despite the pollution. It's amazing. And the stars are just there declaring the greatness of our King. In verse 17, it says that He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. In other words, He is the sustainer of all things. That's why the planets are not colliding with each other because He is sustaining them by the power of His Word. We're looking at the cosmic reality. But what about the molecular reality? How many of you are familiar with your smallest particle in your body called the atom? There are three particles in the atom. Remember that? Proton, neutron, and electron. Proton is the positively charged particle. Neutron is the neutral. And the electron is the negative charged particle. Proton and neutron and outside revolving around the nucleus is the negatively charged particle called electron. Okay? They try to discover, the scientists, what holds them together. How come they are not colliding with each other? Because you know, if they collide to one another, this is going to be what's going to happen. An atomic explosion. If you split open the atom, and yet they found out that there is an element that holds things together, and they could not pinpoint what that is, so they gave it a name, glue-on. It glues these particles together so that they don't go haywire. Guess what? He is the sustainer and He holds all things together. Even in the molecular level, He holds all things. Amen. That's the God that we serve. I want to end with this and I'd like all the music to join me here on stage. He is the head of the church. Verse 18, it says, He is the head of the body, the church. We are the body of Christ. Jesus is our head. He is the ruler of our church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in, that in everything, He might be preeminent. Firstborn here is he. It means that He was the first one that resurrected from the dead. So that all of us who believe in Him, and suddenly there's a change in tone. He, from a creator God, to now one that reconciles us back to Him. We are the church. And this is supremacy over the new creation. And all of us who now trust in the Lord Jesus, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. He is the ruler of the new creation. Since He was the firstborn of all who was raised from the dead, one day, we will also be raised up in Him. We will also have resurrection from the dead. And it says here in verse 19, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of His cross. You and I used to be enemies of God. Sometimes when you have enemies, a truce is not enough, a dialogue is not enough, but a sacrifice was sufficient. He made peace, not through a dialogue with us, He made peace by the blood of His cross. That's the awesome God that we serve. The one who spoke things into being, the one who created all things, 
was hanging on the cross 2,000 years ago. By His blood, He made a way so that you and I can be reconciled back to God. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil things, He has now reconciled in His body of flesh by His death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before Him. He's the head of the church. We are the body of Christ. You know, speaking of body, going back to science, microbiologists have found out something interesting about the human body. What holds the human body together? There's a certain protein that actually is a connecting protein of all the different tissues and membranes of the body. And it's called laminin. Everybody say laminin. Have you ever seen what laminin looks like? The scientific diagram of laminin was actually an image of the cross. This is what holds things together inside your body. And when you look at verse 17 of Colossians chapter 1, the Bible says, He is before all things, and within Him all things hold together. That's a scientific diagram, and this actually laminin under a, uh, an electron microscope at work. It's like the cross of Jesus Christ holding all things. It's the cross that reconciles us back to Him. Amen. Without the cross, without His blood, we will still become enemies of God. But we were brought back to Him and we were reconciled back to Him. Not because of our own desire. No one was seeking God, the Bible says. But it was initiated by God Himself. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Because Jesus is preeminent, our response ought to be to worship Him and to fully put our trust in Him. Amen.